This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. The title of this message is God's Love in You. God's Love in You. When you think about what God has to say in His Word about love, most of the time as children of God, we immediately go to 1 John chapter 3 and 4. And then we also take a look at what we know as the love chapter, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so the question is this, do I have God's love in my heart? Our problem is we want to be loved. People are not too good at loving anymore. The question is this, should I not love others first? And what kind of love are we talking about? And we're going to look at that in this message. The question, do I have God's love in my heart? Am I seeing God's love in me being made visible to others around me? And am I responding to life and the people around me with God's love by His Holy Spirit in me? So what Paul is doing here in 1 Corinthians 13, but we're also going to look at some other passages leading up to an exposition on 1 Corinthians 13. What Paul is showing here is when it's genuine, godly, Holy Spirit love, what does it look like? That's what we're going to see. What does it look like? Now, if you have a copy of God's Word and you look at 1 Corinthians 13 and back up one verse from the beginning of 13 and look at chapter 12, verse 31... Paul said, just before he gets into this love chapter, Paul says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. You say, why did he say that? Because he had been talking about spiritual gifts prior to chapter 13. And they're pretty dramatic. But he's saying, don't get too focused on that. Paul says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. It's more excellent than even the spiritual gifts that he has just been teaching on. And then he moves into 1 Corinthians 13. So what Paul is saying here is the mere possession of spiritual gifts is not as important as the exercise of these gifts in love. He was talking about speaking in tongues. He was talking about miraculous gifts, some of which I believe were for that specific time that they were experiencing. But what he was saying is don't get so focused on the gift that God has given you And don't compare yourselves with one another. And don't become prideful if you have a speaking gift or if you have a dramatic type of a gift. Don't become too prideful. What he's saying is this. He's saying that we should do and exercise these gifts in love. You see, genuine, agape, godly love, it thinks not of self, it thinks of other people. So you have to look at 1 Corinthians 13 in its true context. People sometimes think that what Paul was doing was trying to relieve tension that you see in chapters 12 and 14 on either side of this love chapter regarding people speaking in tongues and being proud of it and trying to cause others to think that they are inferior somehow because they do not speak in another language that they had not learned. And so what Paul was saying was, don't put yourself on self-display. Look at me. Look at what I can do. I hope you're jealous. I hope you're coveting my gift. Paul said, don't do that. He says, stand back and look at all of this through love. 
And so maybe you're finding yourself today and you're saying, I've heard many people talk on love, but the truth is this. I'm trying to love other people, but I'm simply run out of love because people will hurt you. So you can talk to me about love all day long, but I just can't receive it. I've tried it. I have nothing left in me as far as loving other people. And the truth is, people will hurt you. So I can't love like the Bible says that I can, is what you would be saying. And you're right. You can't do it. God never said that you could do it. He always said that He would do it in you and through you by the Holy Spirit. See, that's the key to this whole message. But before we get into going line by line in 1 Corinthians 13, I want to read what Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Jesus said, Abide in me, and notice, I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, notice this, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. I say this often and I always will. We're the glove, the Holy Spirit is the hand. Jesus just said, you have to abide in me and I in you. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm going to be talking about love all the way through 1 Corinthians 13, just in a moment. Keep this in your mind. I can't do this. God never said that I could do this. Jesus just said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I can't. He never said I could, but he always said he would. That is the key to 1 Corinthians 13. It's like Paul said, it's not I, but it's Christ. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in you. That is the only way you can love someone who hates you. It's the only way that you can love someone who hates you. And so we see here, Paul is talking about a very special love. Now, listen to what Paul says to the church at Galatia in chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. He's talking about walking under the control of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about you being the glove and the Holy Spirit being the hand. Just like the hand controls the glove, the Holy Spirit should be controlling you unless you're telling Him no and yourself yes. And if you're doing that, you can't love. And you can't receive love either. Listen to what he says. Paul says in Galatians 5, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. He said, the flesh and the Holy Spirit are in conflict to one another. You say, what is the flesh? Take the word flesh, drop the H, turn the word around backwards. It spells self. That part of us that wants to have its own way, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit is saying, I love you, so listen, you need to go this way. 
And then we say, I want to go this way. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you need to go this way. That is going on within you. If it's not, you need to be born again. Because the Holy Spirit's not there. That's where you need to really pay attention here this morning. Is Christ in you, yes or no? So, there's a war going on within inside of us. Someone asked an old Indian chief, said, Chief, it's like I've got a black dog and a white dog inside of me. And they're fighting one another. Back and forth, back and forth. I don't know how to stop it. He was talking about him wanting to have his way and not letting the Holy Spirit have his way. And that old wise Indian chief said this, which one do you feed the most? He said, oh, I feed the black dog the most. He said, feed him less, feed the white dog more, and he'll begin to win. The Holy Spirit asked only one thing for you and me, to live like the Apostle Paul said, no longer I, but Christ. And he becomes stronger in us. And self that's pulling us down begins to lose control. That's the beauty of the Spirit-filled life. So Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are evident. You say, uh, this struggle that I have inside, what does it look like? Well, I'm glad you asked me because I'm going to read what the Bible says it looks like. He says, the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's the good news. Verse 22, Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, the very first fruit of the Spirit, is love. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. The very first one. He says, but, in other words, in opposition to what I just read, don't practice those things, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. You know what he's saying now? He's saying, but, here's the good news, here's the positive. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's, have crucified the flesh self with his passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, that means being controlled by him, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. That is what things should look like in our lives. So my friend... As children of God, when we are living according to the dictates of our own heart, according to the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit cannot come through our daily living. He's quenched and he's grieved. All the while, he's loving. He's loving us even in our humanity, drunkenness, revelry, 
fornication. He's loving us, but he's not excusing us. But he still loves us until the day we die. You see, it is not that God's love is not in you if you're a child of God. The problem lies in that he is not controlling you because you are controlling you and I'm controlling me. And it shuts down that love that we all want. It shuts us down from loving others with the same love we want. It shuts us down from being able to receive love when it's right in front of you. If we want to experience God's love at its best, we must yield to him who is our life. It's just like coming off of a street, getting on to the entrance ramp of the interstate. You have to yield to this traffic because it's going faster. You have to yield to them. They need to keep going like they're going. And then you yield and you get in. We're to yield to the Holy Spirit. Now, what about this matter of love? Because the Bible speaks of three kinds of love. So which one are we talking about this morning? Well, the Bible speaks of koine. Uh, that's common Greek. One is phalo. You say, well, what is phalo? That is a common Greek word. It's a koine word. And what does it mean? It means warm, caring, relationship, appropriate to family or friendships. Sometimes we call it brotherly love. Now listen, even people who are without Christ, even an atheist or agnostic, they have brotherly love for family members and friends. But they're still without Christ. This confuses people, so get this clear. Everybody has some brotherly love, but they may be without Christ. And then there's another kind of love. It's called eros. That is the affection one has for the opposite sex. We call it romantic love. Even people without Christ who say, I don't believe in Christ. Take that cross down. I don't believe in it. They still can fall in love. They can have good times, romantic love, have relations, have children. They may be without God, but they can love their brothers and sisters, their moms and dads, uncles and aunts, children. They can have romantic love for their wife. They can still be without Christ. That's why this is sometimes confusing. The third love, and it's the one we're focusing on this morning, is agape. Amen. It is agape. It is unselfish, sacrificial, and serving. This portrays the love of God in Christ. It is unconditional love. It is the answer to our nation's problems. No longer I but Christ. Show me where I can serve. I'm not asking for one thing. Show me where I can serve. I'm serving because I love. I'm not serving to get anything. And if I do get anything, I'm going to find a place to give it away. That is what we need. So, you've got Philo, brotherly love, eros, romantic love, and agape, God's own love. And the only way you have that in you, and that's the title of this message, God's love in you, the only way you have that is you've looked to the cross where Jesus died for you and as you, and you've believed, and you've asked him to come into you like a hand goes into a glove. And now you have agape, God's love by the Holy Spirit in you. You say, well, I've done all that, and I'm not experiencing love. 
It's because self is controlling you and not the Spirit. It's not that he's not in there. You're not letting him control you. All right? 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, In this is the love of God manifested toward us. God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. This is the greatest picture, the greatest act, the greatest illustration. What did Jesus say in John 15, 4 and 5? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, apart from me you can do nothing. John is saying here that we might live through him by the Holy Spirit. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means satisfaction. It means this, Jesus was on the cross, though he was sinless and he was God. He is God because he's still alive. He was sinless, but he took all of your sins and minds, past, present, and future upon himself. And he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But God's agape, sacrificial love sent his son who willingly lied down on the cross to die Selfish, sacrificial. This is agape. This is not follow, brotherly. This is not romantic, eros. This is agape. And it only comes from God himself and those in which he lives. He says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins on the cross. You see, God's indwelling love can wait until God acts. Long-suffering, one of the fruit of the Spirit, is patient endurance while being provoked. You ever had someone provoke you? Provoke you over and over and over. I have. I know what it's like to argue back and then feel guilty. I know what it's like to trust God and not argue back and the other person melts because they see crucifixion of self. They see agape love and they don't know what to do with it. You don't see it anywhere anymore. So let's think about these things as we look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, verses 1 through 3. Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. And I want to tell you that Corinth, the people there, though they were in the local church, they didn't get along. Is that surprising? Still happening, isn't it? First Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor... And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. What's my motivation? Is it to be noticed? That's what Paul's saying. Because, see, he had been teaching on spiritual gifts. And some of them were very proud. You ever seen someone so proud that they could strut sitting down? So full of themselves. Look what he said again in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Listen to this. He said, 
This is genuine, godly love. Here it is. Here it goes. It's agape. The picture is crucifixion. Self-sacrifice. Serving. Not seeking anything for myself. That's what we're going to see through here. Number one, love is patient. He says in verse 4, love suffers long. One theologian said this, The Corinthians were impatient, discontented, envious, inflated, selfish, and just plain unconcerned with the feelings and interests of others. These were church attenders. They were suspicious and resentful. Have you ever seen that in a local church? My friend, I have. I've even had to deal with it. It's a very sad thing. God's indwelling love can wait until God acts. Long-suffering is patient endurance while being provoked. Second thing is this in verse 4. He said, love is kind. God's indwelling love enables us to be kind when others are not kind to us. How well are you doing on that one? I have a hard time with it, too, and I'm a minister. But if somebody's unkind to me, it makes me want to be unkind back. That is sin, and I know better. But when I'm letting self control me, that is my inclination. That's why we have to let the Holy Spirit control us. Just like an airplane allows the motor to keep it above gravity. We have to let the Holy Spirit keep us above sin. And we cannot blame it on them. We have to blame it on ourselves. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit in me to not respond the wrong way. And if I respond the wrong way, I cannot blame it on them. Love is kind. Kindness is active goodness going forth in the interest of other people. Third thing is this in verse 4. Love is not envious. God's indwelling love enables us to share and let others be free. You don't owe me anything. I give this to you. I serve you in this way. I'm not expecting anything. I'm doing this because the Holy Spirit's leading me to do this. This kind of love is pleased when others are honored. You ever seen someone who always wanted to be recognized? Everywhere they went, they were the loudest. They took credit for what they didn't do. They were envious is what it was. Number four, also in verse four, first Corinthians 13, but the fourth point here is love is not bragging and arrogant. You ever been around someone bragging all the time and arrogant? Love does not parade itself. This agape love is not puffed up. You say, why do people do that? Why are people always bragging? Why are people arrogant? Why are they proud and puffed up? This is why they simply are saying, I'm empty. And I need your attention. When you're satisfied with Christ and Christ alone, emotionally you feel satisfied, so you're not seeking anything new to satisfy you. It's like being full and not empty. But when you're empty, always bragging, wanting attention, strutting, it's because deep down you're empty. You're trying to force people to fill you, and they can't. Only the Holy Spirit can fill you. Number five, love is polite. We see that in verse five. That means it does not behave rudely. 
God's indwelling love enables us to be well-mannered and polite no matter what the circumstances are, public or private. I choose to respond with politeness. Number six, love does not seek its own. Again, in verse five, God's indwelling love enables us to surrender our rights. In the days in which we're living, nobody wants to give up the right to themselves. Everybody wants to be first. Everybody wants to be known. The truth is this has been going on since Adam and Eve. We all came from Adam and Eve. We're still seeing the fruit of Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, even this very day. You see, Jesus never talked about his rights. And if there was anybody who could talk about his rights, it was Jesus because he was both God and man. He was perfect. What did Jesus say? He said, love your enemies. You say, wait a minute, I can't do that. Correct. The Holy Spirit in you can love them through you because you can't do it. Jesus said, forgive those who are unforgiving. They won't forgive me. What can I do? You keep forgiving them and you keep loving them and it's their choice. They can die never forgiving you, but you can't make them forgive you. But you can forgive them and you can let the Holy Spirit love them through you, even in their unforgiving spirit. You can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit in agape love. Point number seven. Again, in verse 5, love is not provoked. I have a hard time with this one. I may respond correctly, but that initial provoking makes me angry. Somebody provokes me, makes me angry. Then the Holy Spirit says, Chris, immediately, he says, Chris, don't do it. I do pretty good. The older I get, I'm doing better. But I still have it in me to want to take my finger and stick it in your eye if you provoke me. Jesus did not do that. When others damage our reputation, we can remain calm, entrusting ourselves to the one who judges justly. Speaking of Jesus, listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 22 through 23. Listen to what Peter said, talking about Jesus. He said, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges justly. Say, I don't do too well at that. But that same Jesus lives in you by the Holy Spirit. And when you tell yourself no, you will respond the same way Jesus responded. Not seeking anything for himself. So this is my encouragement to you. This is my exhortation. When other people provoke you, damage your reputation, curses you, don't respond back. But I will tell you what you can do. You can tell Jesus on them. Just tell Jesus on them. Number eight, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Again, in verse five, this kind of love we're talking about, not brotherly love, not romantic love, agape, sacrificial, God's own love by the Spirit, takes no account of a wrong suffered, thinks no evil. God's indwelling love enables me to forgive no matter what. You remember when Peter came to Jesus? And I could almost picture old Peter standing tall, shoulders back. You know, he was very a forceful personality. He said, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Up to seven times, as if he wanted everybody to hear that he's willing to give people up to seven times. 
which in the Bible you see that is a number of completion. But guess what? Jesus, who is God, the one who would die on the cross. Guess what Jesus said to Peter, the one who would walk on water eventually. He said 70 times 7, 490 times what Jesus was really saying, and everybody knew it. You keep on forgiving. He said, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Christ in you will do it through you as you abide in Him. Let me ask you this. What if Jesus died for 490 of your sins? We would all be in trouble within four or five days. We would be run out. Let me ask you, how many sins did Jesus die for? All of them. How long are they covered? Forever. Well then, as human beings, how can we not be the same way? That's being arrogant to say, Oh no, you're not doing me that way anymore. Seven times is enough. And I'm not going to go 490 times. I'm just chalking you. I will not forgive you. If God was that way, if this agape love we're talking about, if He was not that way, listen, we would all go to hell with no way out of it. There'd be no option. No way out. Love does not take into account a wrong Suffer. Number nine, love does not rejoice in the unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. You see that in verse six. God's indwelling love enables me to hate the evil which happens to other people. Sometimes, if we're not careful, someone who's been hard on us, we hear that they're dying of cancer, and we almost take joy in it. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Number ten, Love bears all things. We see that in verse 7. That word bear also means covers all things. And so, love bears all things. God's indwelling love enables us to hear bad things on others and keep it to ourselves. Build others up and not tear them down. Gently Correct someone when they're wrong. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says, Brethren, if any man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Number 11, love believes all things. We see that in verse 7. God's indwelling love enables me to believe the best about someone no matter what. Number 12, love hopes all things. Verse 7 again. God's indwelling love enables me to hope for the best in others no matter what. Some parents have to immerse themselves in this chapter to deal with a wayward son or a wayward daughter. When they get to be adults, they have to immerse themselves and say, they've hurt me so badly. They've used me so badly. The only way I can love them is with the Holy Spirit in me. Because in and of myself, I'm done. You have to love with agape love. Number 13, love endures all things. Again in verse 7. God's indwelling love enables me to bear up in all things. God's indwelling love enables me to see difficulties as another step towards spiritual maturity. 
You take weights and you work out with weights every other day. You'll become stronger. Your endurance will last longer. When you're going through a hard time, people against you, nothing's working out. If you choose to respond God's way, it'll actually make you spiritually more mature. It'll give you a longer, stronger endurance. And God will actually make you more fruitful than someone who has it very easy. You see, the easier you get, the fatter you get. The harder it is, most of the time, you got more endurance, more strength, because it's hard. Number 14, in verse 8, love never fails. God's indwelling love is unending. Because, see, God never had a beginning. He never had an end. And what we're talking about is God's love. So that means that love never had a beginning, never had an end. It is an eternal love. That's why what Jesus did on the cross wasn't just for what happened from Adam and Eve to the cross at that moment when he died. What he did happened for all the history of all humanity that what would even come because God is eternal. And this love we're talking about, higher than brotherly love, higher than romantic love, is agape sacrificial love. It is an eternal love and it's complete. What he's done is already done. God's indwelling love is unending. So choose love and you will always be free. Choose to be unforgiving and you will remain in your prison with your scoreboard. They did this to me. They did this to me. They did this to me. And the next thing you know, you're 38. Then you're 48. Then you're 58. Then you're 68. And you die in a prison that you allowed them to build for you. They win. You lose. Don't do it. First John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, in closing. Beloved, let us love one another. Not talking about brotherly love. I'm talking about agape, sacrificial, not self-serving, just choosing to love regardless, the way Jesus did. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Listen, I love you, so listen. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Listen, what I'm talking about, if it's foreign to you, maybe you're still without Christ. Don't die without Christ, because there's no hope. You've got to receive Him while you're physically alive. It's over with after you die. If you die on the street out here, if you get hit by a car, whatever, fall down the steps. And without Christ, it's over. You can't come back. You can't do it over. It's over. Satan has you forever and ever and ever. It can't be changed. Don't play around. Don't play around. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. You let Him love other people through you by His Holy Spirit. It's inside. God's love in you, the title of this message. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen? 
You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.